Section 12 of the Medici, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Medici, Volume 1, by G. F. Young. Chapter 6 Piero il Gotoso. Born 1416. Ruled 1464 to 1469 died fourteen sixty nine piero il gotoso has failed to receive from history the notice that he deserves he is generally passed over by historians either with no mention at all or else with merely a few disparaging remarks referring to his physical infirmities it will be seen however that his history and character merit no little attention upon the death of his father cosimo paterpatrie piero then forty-eight years old succeeded to the headship of the family and the rule of florence from his very boyhood he had been afflicted with gout and was early in life given the name of il gotoso the gouty by which he is always known his constant ill-health handicapped him greatly throughout life often making him unable for long periods to take any active part in public affairs and forcing him instead to devote himself to the retired life of the scholar while his younger brother giovanni was practically given his place became his father's favourite and was looked upon by all as the future head of the family and the first indication that we get of piero's character is the fact that we never hear during all the thirty years that he had to bear this of any sign of resentment on his part either towards his father or brother on this account yet he possessed a full measure of the ability of the medici family as he both then and afterwards showed for not only was he recognized as a powerful scholar but also we find him sent on several occasions during cosimo's lifetime on various embassies to venice to milan and to france and highly thought of by those to whom he was thus sent and none were more acute judges of character and ability than doge francesco foscari duke francesco sforza of milan and king louis the eleventh of france moreover in connection with these embassies the character and ability of piero il gotoso have received a very unique testimony one borne to this day by the medici coat of arms for so high an opinion did louis the eleventh form of piero's abilities that he conferred on him on his becoming head of the family the very special honour of permission to stamp the lilies of france on one of the balls of the medici arms that ball being coloured blue for this purpose and from this time forward the medici arms have one blue ball with the french lily quite different in shape from the florentine lily upon it which thus remains a permanent record of the high estimation gained in a country outside his own by piero il gotoso we do not find that his constant ill-health soured piero's disposition in every act of his life he showed a disposition the reverse of an ill-tempered one even though his conduct of business and public affairs had more often than not to be performed from a sick man's couch while various writers mention that one of his special characteristics was an intense hatred of all quarrels but there is a third indication of his character which is more striking 
in his case alone we have none of that conflict of opinion among rival historians giving the most opposite views of character and motives which has been alluded to as so common throughout the history of this family even those most bitterly biased against the whole race of medici have nothing to say against piero il gotoso he is the one solitary head of this family throughout their whole history in whose case this feature is absent before considering his history it is necessary to note exactly what was the position to which on his father's death he succeeded one necessarily speaks of it as the rule over the state but that term is liable to mislead unless we bear in mind the peculiar position it must not be forgotten that the governing body was the signoria with its president the gonfaloniere piero was not one of this body and therefore had theoretically no official position but it had gradually come about as a consequence of the influence which cosimo had so long wielded that every measure passed by the signoria must be agreed to by the head of the medici family before it could be carried into effect thus the head of the medici family though theoretically no more than a simple citizen of the republic did in actual fact bear the rule over the state and wielded almost complete authority but it must be remembered that the continuance of that position rested solely on two conditions a constantly maintained demonstration by the person in question of an ability greater than that of his fellow-citizens and a no less constantly maintained popularity let either of these factors fail to continue and the position at once reverted to the theoretical one wherein the head of the medici family was only an ordinary citizen and as liable as any other to be exiled by the signoria when piero's brother giovanni died cosimo seeing that piero's frail life might terminate any day had advanced the latter's elder son lorenzo giving him practice in every way possible in public affairs though he was only fourteen but lorenzo had only reached the age of fifteen when his grandfather died he was however capable beyond his years the greatest attention had from the very first been paid by piero to the education of his two sons landino wrote a whole treatise on the education of the two young medici and piero as soon as lorenzo was old enough had appointed marsilio ficino the celebrated head of the platonic academy to be his tutor when therefore piero became head of the family he continued the course which cosimo had begun to adopt and while he retained foreign affairs in his own hands left home politics largely in the hands of his capable young son for thirty years there had been no further attempts to oust the medici from that position of power in florence to which they had attained now however the attempt was again to be made to get rid of them a large party of all those jealous of the position this family had come to occupy saw in the feeble health of piero and the extreme youth of his eldest son an opportunity for effecting this and began to stir up a movement against the medici which was headed by luca pitti assisted by such prominent men as agnolo accioli niccolo sordini and even dietti salvi neroni who had been cosimo's most trusted adviser and on whom he had specially advised piero to lean and since those concerned knew that 
owing to the popularity of the medici the lower classes of the people would not permit any regular process for their exile the above movement soon grew into plans for a formidable rebellion by force of arms the objects which the conspirators set before themselves were the death of piero and the banishment of the family the plots for this were being carried on all through fourteen sixty five and the first half of fourteen sixty six piero appears to have known that something was going on but with his habitual dislike of intrigues and quarrels chose to ignore it and was apparently right in feeling that if it came to a head he had in himself the abilities to defeat it he knew luca pitti's character as a vain but incapable man and that the others relied too much on the results of his own bad health also for some time the conspirators could not agree as to their plan of action so that for the first two years of piero's rule no overt action took place meanwhile the chief events in other states were as follows pope pius the second died in the same month as cosimo pater patriae and was succeeded by paul the second in france louis the eleventh was introducing a new era cold measured crafty and detestable for his many murders and cruelties especially for the way in which he in many cases lured his victims to their deaths by treachery he had gained the name of the universal spider at the same time he worked an immense change in france which was for her ultimate benefit he destroyed the power of the nobles gradually murdering them in turn until he left none who could be formidable and quenched all elements of independence but he converted chaos into order made france into a strong and prosperous kingdom and was the founder of her absolute monarchy during the first six years of his reign fourteen sixty one to fourteen sixty seven he was occupied in the above struggle until by the end of this period he had for the time crushed the power of the nobles in france in fourteen sixty six francesco sforza duke of milan died ever since he had gained his throne by cosimo's assistance he had been a firm friend of the medici and the death of this strong ally tended to weaken piero's position both as regards foreign affairs and in his own state as francesco's son and successor galeazzo sforza was not so strong a character nor so surely to be relied upon in august fourteen sixty six the conspiracy which had been hatching for two years to take piero's life and destroy the medici came to a head the party headed by luca pitti assembled their forces in arms a few miles from florence and laid plans for seizing piero who was lying seriously ill at careggi at the same time a force from ferrara under ercole d'este duke borso's brother advanced to the frontier to assist them but the conspirators were completely mistaken in their man for piero displayed a resolution and energy extraordinary in one handicapped as he was by severe illness getting into a litter he at once started for florence but on the way he had a narrow escape on this occasion his young son lorenzo then seventeen displayed great coolness in danger and resource whereby he saved his father's life riding on ahead he heard of an armed party who were lying in wait for piero on the ordinary road 
with much adroitness he managed to keep their attention occupied while he sent back word to the party who were escorting his father and caused him to be conveyed by a different route to florence in safety arrived at the medici palace piero at once set about collecting his adherents sent to beg the assistance of some milanese troops who happened to be near the borders of tuscany and had soon collected a larger force than his opponents he marched against them the conspirators divided by the vacillations of luca pitti and their own dissensions and confused by piero's promptness were unable to fight their force melted away and dispersed and the leaders surrendered a new signoria just elected promptly passed a sentence of death upon the ringleaders luca pitti dieti salvi neroni niccolo sorerini and agnolo acciaioli and certainly never did men more deserve it especially neroni who had throughout acted with the basest ingratitude treachery and dissimulation and now piero displayed the best side of his character he utterly refused to have these men put to death though it certainly would have been to his advantage not to interfere on their behalf for two of them neroni and sorerini only used their pardon and liberty to stir up venice to make war upon him he pardoned luca pitti outright and by his treatment of him converted him into a friend for life while the others were simply ordered to quit florence machiavelli says it was due to him piero that his partisans did not stain their hands in the blood of their fellow-citizens thus did piero put down a formidable rebellion without any bloodshed and this is probably the only instance in those ages of an armed rebellion which aimed at the death of the ruler being suppressed by him without the loss of a single life and even with the conversion of its principal leader into a permanent friend this one achievement of piero il gotoso is sufficient to demonstrate both his ability and the high qualities of his character and marks him out as one really fit to rule a state we are told that when luca pitti's rebellion was thus suppressed the young lorenzo commenting to a friend on his father's action said he only knows how to conquer who knows how to forgive it was conduct and qualities such as this displayed by the earlier generations of the medici which helped to raise that family to its high eminence in florence and when sixty years after this clarice de medici become by marriage clarice strozzi in her impassioned harangue contrasted the behaviour of her ancestors with that of those then representing the family and said that it was by magnanimity and clemency that the former had gained the favour of the florentines she said no more than the actual truth the natural effect of the defeat of such a formidable effort to destroy the family and especially when so complete a victory was accompanied by such clemency and kindliness was to make the medici stronger than ever in their peculiar position in florence after this affair their popularity with the people caused the head of the family to become more than ever a king in all but the name the above episode was followed in the next year fourteen sixty seven by war with venice ever since cosimo's alliance with milan venice had waited for an opportunity of revenge upon the medici 
and this seemed now to have come nicolo soderini and dietti salvi neroni requited piero for saving their lives by proceeding to venice and persuading the doge and council to attack him asserting that there was a large party in florence ready to take up arms against the medici the venetian army therefore commanded by the celebrated bartolomeo colioni was in may fourteen sixty seven dispatched against florence's territory piero's conduct however had entirely won over those who had previously been ready to attack the medici so that the supposed adherents of venice in florence proved non-existent piero was also successful in obtaining as his allies both the duke of milan and the king of naples each of whom sent him some troops the florentine army opposed that of venice in the little state of imola where at length a battle was fought in which the venetian army was defeated after which in april fourteen sixty eight a peace was concluded as the result of which florence gained a much coveted addition to her territory viz the town of sarzana and the fortress of sarzanello this was followed in august of the same year by a short but very successful campaign in which florence assisted by naples and urbino opposed the pope and prevented him from seizing upon the small state of rimini by these successes piero still further strengthened the position of his family in florence these various troubles having been overcome the year fourteen sixty nine the last year of piero's life was one of peace and festivities his son lorenzo was now nineteen and his second son giuliano fifteen and in february fourteen sixty nine these two young medici organized a splendid tournament which they intended should be the inauguration of a lighter and more festive life than the somewhat sombre one which their father's ill health and the political troubles of the last few years had made customary it was held in order to celebrate lorenzo's betrothal to clarice orsini the roman bride who had been selected for him by his mother lucrezia tonabuoni whose letters from rome to her husband piero describing the young lady's appearance are still preserved clarice orsini at this time sixteen also writes letters to lorenzo conveying various polite greetings while she complains to a friend that lorenzo is so greatly occupied with this jousting that he does not find time to write to her often enough by her anxiety and depression for several days on account of the tilting and her relief when she heard it was over without mishap to lorenzo we are reminded that a tournament was not merely a splendid show but that wounds and death were always possible in the course of it it is evident that clarice's abilities were not of a very high order and that her education fell considerably below that customary in the family she was about to enter which she considered so far beneath her own even lucrezia tornabuoni while praising the appearance of the girl she had chosen for her son says that she is not to be compared with maria lucrezia and bianca her own daughters this tournament which so fully engaged the young lorenzo's attention provided florence with a more gorgeous spectacle than the city had ever before witnessed and was the first of those great pageants for which lorenzo's age afterwards became famous it was immortalized in one of the two most celebrated poems of the fifteenth century la giostra di lorenzo de medici by luca pulci 
standing in the piazza santa croce where as a substitute for the fierce battles between citizens of former days this exciting scene of mimic warfare took place how vividly does its fantastic splendor voluminously described in the writings of the time rise before our eyes the reigning beauty of florentine society lucrezia donati who was queen of the tournament the young scions of the medici pazzi pucci benci Urcelai, vespucci and other principal families who were the knights and each knight accompanied by his standard-bearer heralds trumpeters pages and men-at-arms all wearing his colours and arrayed in the most splendid fashion the extravagant punctilio the grandiloquent compliments the delight of the vast crowd occupying every roof balcony window and other point of vantage round the piazza and all lit up by florentine sunshine in february the knights first appeared in most magnificent dresses for an imposing procession round the piazza accompanied by every sort of display after which they changed into their armour for the actual combat we may gather some idea of the dresses from the description of that of lorenzo he had a diamond in the centre of his shield and rubies and diamonds in his cap a velvet surcoat with a cape of white silk edged with red and a silk scarf embroidered with roses and pearls for the actual combat he wore another surcoat of velvet fringed with gold with a helmet adorned with three blue feathers his horse was draped with red and white velvet embroidered with pearls the device on his standard was a bay tree one half dry and dead-looking and the other half green with the motto worked in pearls le temps revient symbolizing that a time of youth and joy after the winter of cosimo's old age and piero's ill health was now to supervene the occasion was considered of sufficient importance for the king of naples and the dukes of ferrara and milan to present lorenzo with horses and armour for it lorenzo in his own writings mentions this tournament and says in order to do as others i appointed a tournament in the piazza santa croce with great splendour and at great expense so that it cost me about ten thousand gold florins although i was young and of no great skill the first prize was awarded to me namely a helmet inlaid with silver and surmounted with a figure of mars giuliano also though as yet too young to take so prominent a part as his brother was splendidly arrayed and this handsome boy of fifteen in helmet and armour and mounted on a fine charger won the admiration of all several busts of him in his armour and wearing the dragon-shaped helmet designed for him by verrocchio were executed and it seems most probable that the terracotta bust by antonio polariolo now in the museum of the bargello and catalogued as an unknown portrait bust is in reality one of these busts of giuliano miss crutwell in her work on antonio polariolo considers that it was executed at about this date and says it is probably a portrait of one of the medici whose type of face and arrogant bearing it resembles closely giuliano is known to have specially patronized polaiolo and in the inventory of the collections in the medici palace other works by that artist are recorded as being all in giuliano's room in the palace 
again there was no other youth of the same age at this period in florence whose bust in this style would have been likely to be executed by Pollaiolo. but above all it has the well-known lock of hair on the forehead which was so distinguishing a feature of giuliano's face and is often mentioned so that altogether there seems to be little doubt that we have in this bust of Pollaiolo's a portrait of giuliano as he was at fifteen the bust has been greatly damaged the arms being broken off as well as the dragon-shaped helmet leaving only one of the legs of the dragon at one side of the head but the face with its charming boyish frankness is uninjured and as miss crutwell says seems to fill the room with its buoyant vivacious life the details of the armor representing hercules fighting with the serpents and with the stymphalian bird are as admirably executed as the portrait itself in the following june the marriage of lorenzo to clarice orsini took place on this occasion of the marriage of their eldest son piero and his wife lucrezia gave a magnificent entertainment to all florence it was a marriage which gave evidence of how the medici were advancing in worldly esteem for the orsini were one of the greatest families in italy but whether the medici would not have done better for themselves if they had adhered to those florentine marriages such as they had hitherto made and which had produced a cosimo pater patrie a piero il gotoso and a lorenzo the magnificent may well be doubted looking at the subsequent history the marriage took place on the fourth june in the family church of san lorenzo and the festivities in connection with it were on the most profuse scale the entire city being feasted by the medici for three successive days Quote, feasting dancing and music continued day and night until one wonders at the endurance of the people some idea of the extravagance of the entertainment may be gathered from such a fact as that there were consumed of sweetmeats alone five thousand pounds while the populace were thus regaled all florentine society was entertained at five immense banquets in the medici palace Quote, at these banquets the loggias and gardens of the palace in the via larga were filled to overflowing separate tables being set out for the young ladies who were the bride's companions fifty young women with whom to dance say the records and for the older ladies forming madonna lucrezia's company in the same way there were different tables for the young men who danced and for those of maturer years the feasting began on the sunday morning when the bride mounted upon the splendid charger presented to lorenzo by the king of naples left the house of the alessandri in the borgo san piero now borgo degli abizzi and entered her new home followed by a train of nobles the symbolic olive branch being hoisted at the window to the accompaniment of gay music and the festivities continued until the tuesday morning when she went to hear mass at the church of san lorenzo bearing in her hand one of the thousand wedding gifts a little book of our lady most marvellous written in letters of gold upon blue paper and with a cover of crystal and silver work End of section twelve